Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. When your life and your business grow as a result of what you're about to discover, please call me and tell me about it. The number to leave a voicemail is one 888 844-GROW. That's 1-888-844-4769. Long distance charges may apply. Dial now to call me, connect, share your personal story of how my interviews have helped, or share your current challenges and frustrations so I can connect you with an appropriate course, coach, or help you if you connect. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always, and today we're speaking with the co-founder of Lifestyle Builders, a coaching and training company that helps entrepreneurs build their businesses to create more impact with their customers and more freedom in their lives. This co-founder is Tom Sylvester, and over the past 15 years, Tom has helped thousands of businesses, leaders, and their teams create more success, everyone from Fortune 500 companies to brand new startups. During this time, Tom has honed and refined his philosophies, models, and strategies for growing entrepreneurial businesses. Tom and his wife, Ariana, share their philosophies and guidance for entrepreneurs in their book, Lifestyle Builders, Build Your Business, Quit Your Job, and Create Your Ideal Life, as well as through their coaching and consulting program. So I've asked uh, Tom to join us here today so we can talk about the different levels and challenges for each of them so we can all grow our businesses a little bit better. So Tom, thank you so much for joining us, my friend. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Daryl, and uh, you know, thanks for having me on. And actually, thanks for the gratitude right before we started this. You know, I think that's a really important practice that you know we can often forget about. And um, you know, just thanks for kicking off my day that way. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom's talking about before we started this call. It's my nighttime, his morning, and so I asked him what three things he were good for. And it's mindset, such an important part of this. And I, I mean, it's it's kind of. I mean, we'll just start there. You, you can. I know this just from even in the gym and from. I, I like challenging myself because I've re- like. I, having a martial arts background, like your body will never carry you across the finish line. Your mind will carry your body, but your body will never carry your mind. So framing your mind and, and prepping yourself and, you know, psyching yourself up for the day is such an important thing. And, you know, it, it, maybe you had a bad dream. Maybe, I don't know, you stubbed your toe when you got to bed. Maybe you had a stressful night before, but it, just starting your day off with gratitude is just a fantastic way to just really like just hit reset and just, you know, so thank you, man. I appreciate that. It's, you know, it's, Iron sharpens iron, so I appreciate you being here. Absolutely. Now, before we get into this, though, I want to tell talk about your background because I know a little bit about your story, and I know that some of the amazing successes you've had for yourself and your clients, and that's why I've asked you to be on the show. Before we get into those, how did you even get into entrepreneurship? Like, do you come from a family of entrepreneurs? Were your parents like? Did they run businesses? 
you know, I so like in hindsight, you know, you always look back and everything looks a lot clearer. I always had like side hustles. Like in in high school, I was like buying paintballs in bulk and then chopping them up in smaller bags and selling them to people that were playing paintball. <laughs> so I always had, you know, some way to make money. Like in college, I was like doing poker, online poker while I was doing my homework. I actually would buy used books from like thrift stores and sell them on Amazon, like back before we had smartphones. So I was always doing something to make money. But the entrepreneurship, like getting serious about it really came as I was getting ready to graduate from college. And I had a computer science degree and I was looking ahead at like my job and what the rest of my life was going to look like. And I was like, oh, crap, what did I get myself into? And so we had a whole bunch of debt. And I was like, OK, I, neither of us have jobs. My then girlfriend, now wife, we neither of us had jobs. She wasn't having good prospects because she had a zoology degree and she wanted to stay in New York. There's no zoology jobs. I like looked at my computer science degree and I'm like, man, and I'm going to be sitting in a cubicle all day working with computers. I don't want to do that for the next 45 years. Mm -hmm. And so it was at that point that I set a goal to retire by 35. No idea how I was going to make it happen, but basically figured if I put it out there, it's long enough to figure it out, but not too long that I'm going to miss out on life. Got it. Got it. I love that. So what did you do? Yeah, so I, I started looking around at successful people and people that were where I wanted to be. And I was like, what do they do? And so I started looking at the stock market, realized that we didn't have money, so that wasn't going to be a good option starting out. <laughs> you know, I started looking at like MLMs and just realized that wasn't my vibe or a good fit. Uh, I started looking at franchise businesses and realized that you needed a pretty big net worth. And we were like negative net worth. And then I found real estate. And I found this really cool strategy that where you buy a duplex, you live in one half and you rent out the other. And then basically you're living like mortgage free. And so I was like, yes, this is it. We're going to lower our expenses. We'll get started in real estate, and then we'll build it from there. So I'm all excited. I go and present this to Ariana, and she just shuts it down. She's like, no, we're living in an apartment now. The next thing we buy, I want to be a house, and I don't want to be a landlord. So I got really depressed, and I was like, everything I'm trying to do, nothing seems like it's going to work out. And so I was leaving work one day, listening to an ad on the radio about you know this free real estate training. Long story short, I ended up spending about $7,500 on that. When we were already about $200,000 in debt, uh, I did this on a credit card about nine months before we got married without telling Ariana. Say that again? So I spent $7,500 on a real estate investment training nine months before we got married when we were already about $200,000 in debt. And I did all of this without telling my fiance that I was supposed to marry in about nine months. And, and okay, so. So you can imagine how that conversation <laughs> went. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was about to say like, so did, did you do the training in secret too? Like, were you hoping that you would get this done and get something like as a result to show her after? Or are you just hoping like, I've already done it. She can't get mad at me. Was this more like a defiant thing? Like, it's my life too, because she shot down your ideas <laughs> or, you know what I mean? Like what, what was yeah. Yeah. You know, it uh it wasn't like to be honest, I didn't think of any of that. When we were like so basically we went to this three day training and then they sold this more expensive one. And I when they started pitching the expensive one, I'm like, There's no way I can afford this, I'm not gonna buy it. And then I just started thinking, like, if this doesn't work, nothing will. And I didn't think about anything else. I'm just like, This has gotta be it. And you know, there was probably some subconscious stuff that's like something's gotta happen and maybe this is it. 
So it, like definitely not the path I would recommend to everyone. And when I told Ariana about this, it was some very hard conversations. You know, there's a lot of tears, you know, a lot of, you know, just what's going on here? What are we doing? We're getting married. And I remember there was one question that she asked that really kind of changed everything. And she said, you know, why would you do this? And at that moment, I, you know, thought about it and I was like, you know, well, this is the life that I want for our family in the future. When we eventually have kids, I want to be able to be there. I don't want somebody else to have to dictate what we're going to do or when we're going to do it. I don't want to have to worry about money. And she, she's like, you know, I want the same thing. And it was an epiphany because I kept telling her what I wanted to do. I wanted to invest in the stock market. I wanted to start a business. I never told her why. And it was once we got aligned on the why that we were then able to work together and figure out, okay, how are the different ways that we could do this and what do we want to actually start out and try? I love that. I love that because you found common ground and a mutual goal as opposed to arguing over semantics and strategy. And I've, I've been a part of partnerships where – you know, we, we set in an original goal, that goal got achieved and we never set a new goal. And so it was like friends for a reason, friends for a season and friends for life. Well, we were friends for the reason. And then we achieved that reason and we didn't establish new mutual goals. And then the tactics took us in different directions. So I think that that's a really, really powerful thing that you said right there. I also want to say something else. Like, it's also a commitment. Like I, you, what you just said, I, I wasn't, I'm not stretching myself right now, but I just bought into a buddy of mine's program, but it's because it's something like, and I honestly don't even really need it. But when you spend money on something, it it's, it's just weird. Like when you do things for free, there's just not the weight attached to it. Do you know what I mean? Like I've got a goal that I'm working on right now. I actually already had a couple of courses on this. I went through, I've actually been seeing meaningful progress that I'm happy about. And my buddy offered these doing something for six weeks and it's really related to what I'm doing. And I bought it, even though I feel like, and I, so far I've been right. A lot of it's just been repeat of what I already know, but it was that commitment. Like when you spend money, a lot of people said this, like, Oh, I hate, like I've, I've heard this before people that have training programs or courses like, Oh, I, you know, people buy my course, but I never, know if they finish it or not and I really believe like that's that mental commitment like I've been trying to get muscle ups at the gym forever and I have to reaffirm my commitment to that goal over and over and over and over and over and over and over again because that's how anything meaningful is achieved and so like with my buddy's program that I just got into like for me that's speaking of what you just did here like in your head you were looking for ways to get all this done and although it was a big financial stretch it was a commitment and it was you know it's it's a whole concept like the collection basket goes around a church and one family gives $5 and this other family kind of snorts and they give $500. But what people don't know is that $5 was everything to that one family and the $50 or the $500 meant nothing to the other family. And it's like, how, how much are you committed? And so that's, again, that's like, it's like when you, you know, you tell a friend like, look, I've got this goal. And if I don't achieve that goal, I'm going to put a thousand dollars into this, uh, you know, this association that I hate and I despise. Like you give your friend the money in advance. Here's the thousand bucks. If by this date, I haven't done this goal, you give that money to them. And it's like, you know, the party that you hate or some, you know, something you just really, that really rubs you the wrong way. Because when there's money attached, there's weight to it. And it's, I just don't know how to describe it. It's just, it's different. It's different than like, I do it all the time. I, I get on the phone with buddies I grew up with and I give them advice and it's like a year later and they haven't done anything, you know, but someone comes and they pay me and I give them the exact same advice and they go and they make, you know, a hundred thousand dollars. And so for you, it sounds like this was a real pivotal moment where not only do you made a commitment to yourself, but for your family and kind of as a, as a man and the leader of that, that was kind of, I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I feel like that was your stake in the ground and you had, you hashed it out 
but because there was love and mutual understanding, you found that mutual ground. And I mean, look what it's done for you now. I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you, you know, you're definitely not reading into it. I mean, I didn't, I didn't consciously think of a lot of that at the time, but in hindsight, you know, I think that was like, Hey, something's got to be done to make this work and it may or may not be the right thing but it's going to then cause the right thing to happen right and you know one of the things i tell people all the time is to your point you definitely got to be committed and investing money is usually a really good way to get commitment and what i always tell people because you know i don't think you have to start like when you're starting a business i don't think you have to spend seventy five hundred dollars on a training Uh what i always tell people is think about the dollar amount that is just enough to make you uncomfortable, but not so much that it's going to cause you to to paralyze because you're not sure how you'll be able to make that payment. So you want to find like that sweet spot. And, you know, like I loved your example of the collection plate because that person that's getting started, I mean, that might be, you know, a hundred bucks or 500 bucks. And that's what it's going to do for you. But as you get further along in business, like I had this conversation with a colleague a couple months ago, he was like, you know, Tom, I'm going to all these conferences and I just feel like I'm not getting anything out of them anymore. And I'm like, well, one, look at the money you're spending on conferences. And two, look at the level of business you're at. You no longer need to go to conferences. You need to be going to these small masterminds and surrounding yourself with people at your level because you've exceeded everything that you're going to get from a conference. And so that's the key thing to realize is that that is going to change over time, like maybe the dollar amount, but it is really about getting that commitment. And then to your point, actually making sure that you've got the support and accountability to get it done. Because I've had clients, like one client actually straight out said this, our first coaching call. He's like, Tom, I'm going to be completely honest. I probably know more about this than you do. So I don't need you to teach me anything. I just need you to help me actually get it done because I have all this knowledge, but it's not turning into results. And I know you can help me with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deadlines and accountability are huge. No, I I think there's a lot to be said for that. Again, mindset and just commitment, that, that fire. Like a lot of us avoid pressure. I hate pressure. I hate pressure. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. But man, when it's on and I'm committed, I show up every time. And that's why I hate it because it's like, you just, you, you get so into it in some ways. I mean, it's a love hate thing, but anyways, I don't want to go on too much of a side tangent, but that's just what it sounded like to me. It sounds like you're, you're thinking like, man, I'm about to spend all this money on a wedding you know, because they're not cheap. And then you're thinking like, what's my situation now? We have all this debt. This person's offering to show me this way. Like, am I interested or am I committed? And if I'm committed, then like, what's a little more debt kind of thing, you know? And I, so I, I just see that. And I'm not trying to prep anyone on the call for a pitch at the end or anything, but I just think <laughs> we started off the call talking about mindset. And I wanted to highlight that because I think that's a really important thing. And it's relevant to me because I just spent a couple of grand on a program that I probably really don't need. But I know that for six weeks that I'm going to be pestered and followed up with and ask questions about the goal that I already had. Do you know what I mean? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, because, mm-hmm. so it's like, I didn't really do it for the course. Like, I'm going to go through it and maybe I'll learn another thing, but I really did it because I know they don't want to get a refund. So if, you know, they're going to get me to be responsive, they're going to follow up with me that like, so anyways, it's just, it's just synergistic. That's all. So, so, all right. So now what happened? You bought this course, you, you completed it before you got married, after you got married, like, what was the next step? You go, you, you talked about your goals and what did you do? Yeah. So here's the funny part. So it was four quote unquote, like advanced trainings. And so I went to the first one and I realized that the content was terrible and the guy who was teaching it like really didn't do a good job. And then the next three, I was going to have to fly to other cities for. And so I didn't even end up using this training 
But what it did, just to your point, was got me committed. And so the conversations that we had were like, look, you know, I spent this money. What are we going to do to make it back? And so at that point, I actually quit doing the training and I just went out and got to work. So I looked in the local newspaper. I was doing some stuff. I found a duplex. And then a couple months later, I bought that. And then we basically repeated this process over the next couple of years of we would buy a property, we would renovate it, we would refinance it with the bank to get our money back out of it, and then we would put that money into another property. And so we just kept repeating that that process over the next couple of years to start building our real estate portfolio. Got it. Now, how did you achieve that in debt? You had like 200 grand in debt, plus you bought this course, plus you had a wedding. I mean, where's the money coming out <laughs> like to appear and to buy a duplex? Yeah, it was uh, it was squeezing it out of every place I could find. So, you know, we were selling stuff around our house that we didn't need. It was cutting out expenses. And then even with all of that, I was short for the down payment. Mm. So my cousin actually invested in that real estate training with me. So I reached out to him and I'm like, look, I got this really good deal. I don't have (laughs) all the money. You just spent the same amount of money I did. You want to come in with me. So he came in and brought the other half of the down payment. And then we had actually had the struggle of trying to find a bank that would give us financing. And what I had always heard from these real estate investors was find a good deal and the money will be there. Well, I had found a really good deal and I was getting shut down by banks because I was too young because we had all of this debt. And so finally, I went to a local bank. I you know, dressed up in a suit. Uh-huh. I put this business plan together. I went in and demanded I was going to talk to one of the VPs, and I gave my pitch. I talked about wanting to invest in a local community, and this local bank gave us the first mortgage. That's so awesome. it was tough pulling the money together. But once, like you said, when you make that commitment and there's money on the line, you're going to do things that you normally wouldn't to make sure that you move forward and make that happen. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's another thing to talk about, at least in terms of – sales and influence like for a lot of people if they're struggling with sales or they feel like they're just not closing enough deals like how much do you believe in what you're doing like what you had there like it's like you burned your boats and you found a deal that you're like I, this is it like i got him you know and and you were just not like i'm not gonna let you get in the way this is gonna work you know like i've crunched the numbers mm-hmm. or you even maybe were humble and saying look prove to me this don't work then like okay if you're gonna shoot me down shoot me down but Prove to me this isn't a fantastic plan. Prove to me this doesn't look like it makes perfect sense to you and that it's just foolish to not do it. Like, you know, and, and it's that conviction. That's that's what really helps influence people, like whether you're doing sales or anything like that. So I just think that there, again, it comes back to mindset, like mindset. And, and so you almost have to dig deep and find that inside yourself, that inner motivator. And I think that's really powerful. This is your interview, but I just went through a couple of years where I just made, for me, other people might be different, but I made like an obscene amount of money over a period of like three, four years. And I just didn't know what to do with it. So I ended up giving it all away to family. And then I disappeared in the Philippines to a tropical island for a couple of years and kind of like shunned business in that because I just wasn't interested in that. Like it was like my mindset had changed and I, I just had a hard time getting myself back into the game because it was like, why? Like at this point, another $10,000 like, it's not going to do anything, you know, like, just leave recently, my, my girlfriend and I, we just had a big payday, and we were going for a walk, and I was just telling her, like, hey, we just made more money today than you probably made in a year or multiple years of your life in the past, and I was like, does anything really, di-? like, for her, it's her first time, right, there's a bit of an age gap between us, like, anything different, like, do you, you want to do anything different, like, is it, like, has anything changed, 
Like, no, you know, maybe I want to buy a new sports bra. Like, maybe we'll go for a nice dinner. Like, that's it. I remember the first time I got a check, for me, it was a massive amount of money at the time. It was like thirty-three, thirty-five thousand $35,000 US. I'm Canadian, so that's like fifty grand Canadian. And mm-hmm. I got it on one day. And I remember I'm like, that was the whole, like, that's what my family, like mom, dad, me, brother, cats, like, we lived off that for a year. <laughs> and I got it in a day. Do you know what I mean? And I... And I went and I put it in the bank and I went to Booster Juice and I bought like a $6 smoothie <laughs> and I bought a $20 hat and like I, that was it. Like I just did my usual stuff and went home and it was just, it didn't, it didn't make a difference. And so that mindset part, that having a bigger reason, a bigger why conviction, like it's just so powerful. So I'm, I'm going to get off the soapbox cause it's your interview, but I, I just think it's just really, well, yeah. I was going to say, I love the fact that you shared that and talked about that because this is the thing a lot of people don't realize. Like, you know, people often talk about having your why, and it's these times where you really figure that out. And, you know, for me, and I think this is the case for most people, initially your why is usually just to take care of yourself and take care of your family. And so what we find, because when people come to and work with us, the first thing we talk about isn't business, it's their life and helping them figure out what they want their life to look like and then putting a path together for that. And what we find when we have people talk about the future is they usually first talk about the things that they want, you know, like I want this house, I want this car, whatever that is. Then they talk about the experiences, like I want to live here, I want to get out of debt, I want to be able to travel. And that is usually the focus of people early on. And you can tell this because at this point, they're usually in survive mode. They're trying to take care of themselves. They're trying to make enough money for that. Mm -hmm. And then this weird thing happens. And there might be some people listening to this that are like, Daryl, you sound ridiculous. I'm just trying to make enough money to pay my rent. But this weird thing happens is after years of just working hard and doing that, and when you finally realize that you've taken care of all that stuff, a lot of us get depressed because our our drive was our family. And like you said, at a certain point, making more money doesn't improve the life of your family. And at that point, you're like, well, why am I doing this? And what we found is that there's two more components that sometimes people will mention in their vision, but when they get to this point, they definitely do. And that is the relationships they want to have in their life and the impact that they want to make. And what this does is it turns it away from focusing on you and really focuses it on other people. And I mean, if you look at people that are successful, just about every one of them has made this shift. And that's why, just like you said, you know, you're giving money away and you're you're doing stuff that doesn't logically make sense to a lot of people. Yeah. But it's because you shifted and your purpose is now much bigger than just you. Right, 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 right. Yeah, hands down, hands down. And it's just, it's, it's... It's a weird phase to go through. When you've got six months, a year or more of money free and clear in your bank account, do you know what I mean? And all of a sudden you're like, why am I getting up to grind? Like, why am I putting in 12-hour days? Like, why? So, like you said, it, it does become, like, deeper. Alan Watts has this fantastic – I love Alan Watts. Studied a lot of mm-hmm. different philosophies and religions of the world. And I just feel like Alan's, like, put together the best of the best, at least for me. And he's got this great little short YouTube video called Music and Life. And that's exactly what he talks. Like, when you're a kid, you know, first you go to 101, and then you, you know, or you're in kindergarten, and then you're in grade school, and, you know, this thing is coming, and you're going to grade 8, and then you're going to grade 9, and now you're in college, or university, and, and, or sorry, high school, and this thing is coming, and you're going to get there someday. And now you're, you know, in college, university, and this thing is coming, and it's coming. And then you, now you go out and join the world, and then now you start a job, and you got this racket, and you're selling insurance, and you got these quotas to make and this thing is coming and one day you're gonna get this big promotion and you know and it's coming and it's coming and it's coming and then one day you're in your 40s and you realize like i'm here 
and you, you feel cheated because the whole time, like, it's a musical thing. You're supposed to sing and dance while the music is playing. And it's not about mm-hmm. that, that. It's not about that. It's like I, the analogy uses when people go to see an orchestra like it's or a symphony, it's not about the end. Otherwise, people just show up and hear one crashing chord, like the, fi- the finale, right? The final note. Like, people come for the whole thing. You go see a play or a movie for the story, for the journey. So it's just a it's just an interesting point that you make. And so if anyone listening to this, you know, it's important for them to think about, we talked about this before we hit record, but integrating their life and their goals. So your business goals aren't separate from you. They're not separate from your health. They're not separate from all that. It, it all has to feed together. You know, it all has to balance out. There's no real such thing as work-life balance. There's just, are you integrated? Are you compartmentalized? Are you fragmented? You know, like, are you having, like, is there just like a major, like a, a major piece of shrapnel in your balance? Like you've got a three-hour commute each way. So six hours of your day is this gaping hole of your, you know, of time, like time just sucked out of your life. You know, like, are there things like that that you can fix? It's not so much about work-life balance. You know, uh, what's the, the, you know, um, it really is true. Do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life, you know, and you'll be better at it. So if things you're doing feel a lot like work, you maybe need to start looking at different things. So, so, all right, you started building your real estate portfolio and then what happened? Now, where are we at? Yep. So we're building the portfolio that's going along well. And then uh, I find this opportunity that this wine and liquor store is for sale. And so a little bit of backstory, when I was in college, my father had actually called me and his friends were getting divorced and they were having this struggle because one person bought the building, one person had the the liquor store in the building and they couldn't get along. So I said, dad, help your friends out and help yourself out because I knew he wanted to retire. I said, buy the business and the building. He's got a construction background, put apartments above it and you'll be able to retire. So he did that several years before. So when I I helped him get that going, so when I saw another store for sale, I said, hey, this is a way to diversify our income. It's the way, like we bought real estate in like 2007, 2008 when the US like real estate crashed. So I wanted to diversify. So that store didn't end up working out. It wasn't a really good deal. But I said, hey, we have a real estate business. Let's buy a commercial building and let's open our own wine and liquor store. And so I brought that to Ariana and she's like, again, I thought this was out of your system. <laughs> and so, um, and at that point she was actually, she had actually just gotten pregnant with our daughter. Oh, wow. And so I spent the next like year putting the business plan together for that, getting funding, getting approved, doing the build out for the store. And then we opened the store when I was still working a full-time job. We were still doing the real estate business. I had just finished my master's and we, our daughter was like six months old. Wow. 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 Quite the story. Okay, so how was it juggling all those things? What were some of the major challenges in your business career or even your personal life, and how did you overcome them? Yeah, you know, the big thing with that was really just time. You know, we had a newborn, so we were new parents trying to figure this out. I was still working a full-time job. Ariana had left hers. And, you know, when we, for the store, we couldn't really order a lot of things because we had to wait for our license to get approved. But once it got approved, it was like chaos of like 80 to 100-hour weeks to get things ordered, get the store set up, get everything ready for opening. And then because I was working a full-time job and we didn't have staff yet, Ariana would actually drive, it was about 45 minutes from our house, she would drive with our daughter to open the store and run it during the day, and then at night I would leave my day job, I would go work the store at night and close it. And so that was chaotic for a handful of weeks between opening and then getting that. And what we basically had to do, like the question I asked myself, and everyone listening, ask yourself this question and it's just going to change your business. What do things have to look like for this to run without me being there? 
Mm. And when I asked that question, because I couldn't physically be there and I didn't want Ariana to be there all day. And so I basically designed what the business had to look like. And then from there, basically said, okay, now that I know what it needs to look like, let's put those things in place and just do that one at a time. So what we were able to do was then basically start hiring staff, start putting systems in place. And really over the next year, we were able to get everything off of our plate so that the store could run really without us being there, which was a beautiful thing. I love that. I had a friend that built an online membership site to I think he grew it to about a quarter of a million a month in, in monthly billings. And one of the things he said that was a huge aha for me was this like 80-year-old guy gave him some advice and it was like, you know, when you wake up in the morning, all those things on your to-do list, for you to be able to sell this, they have to belong to somebody else. Like as long as you have any to-do items on your list every day for that business you're running, you won't, you won't be able to sell it because it, it relies on you. And so I love that, like what you're saying. You made a list. Can we just reiterate it again? Like, what's the process of doing that? Can you reiterate that again? Because that's so. That's actually yeah. why I'm doing. That's that's really critical. It's funny because that's part of what this program that I just had my buddy sing. I bought. I'm eliminating myself from things entirely. I love it. Yeah, but anyway. So that's like. Can we let's elaborate on this a little bit? Because I'm sure everyone will love this topic. Yeah. So it starts out with asking yourself the question what would have to be true or what would this have to look like for this to run without me being there? And so when you start out with that question, what you then start doing is looking at your business and really saying, all right, let's walk through what has to happen each day, you know, from each of our major functions. And then for each function, like what I always recommend people doing is make a very high level process. So everything you're doing starts with a trigger, something that kicks it off. There's an end result, like something that basically says this process is done. And then there's a set of three to five high-level steps that are required to get that done. So if you look at your business as like an engine, like that's how we often describe it, where there's four major components. You've got marketing, which is attracting people to your business. You've got sales, which is converting them into customers. You have operations, which is you know creating and delivering your offer or service you know, and getting them success. And then you have finance, which is making sure you're collecting the money and dispersing it to the right places. So if you look at your business and you look at each of those major functions, what you want to look at is what's required to make the business run from those, put a basic high-level process in place, and then basically say, what roles or how many people do I need in order to get this done? And so whether or not you're planning to hire people in, that will help you. And to your point, when you design your business this way and then you start putting people in place, I'll oftentimes have people come to me that want to sell their business and it's not in a sellable state because they are their business. Mm -hmm. But once they put this stuff in place and you talk to them, more often than not, they actually don't want to sell it because now they're not involved in the business day to day, yet they're making money from it. Yeah, it's funny. I have a client that that's the exact situation he was in a few years ago with one business and then he got out of all the steps and now I talk to him and might be partnering with this new business that he's got, an equity deal type thing and and I asked him what happened with the old one because he was actually asking if I wanted to buy it at the time. And he said, that's exactly what he said. He's like, well, I realized that there was just these three things I had to have done. It's a, it's not a, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it'll pay your bills every month for most, you know, the average person to pay their bills every month net. But he, you know, he's like, I just realized that, you know, it's just going to do what it's going to do for the time being. The new business he's building is kind of the thing that's the now and the future. The thing he's built is good, and it might it might prod along for another 10, 15 years. Who knows? 20 years, maybe even as is. But eventually, it'll be become redundant. But he's like, I just realized I put these people in place. It runs. It takes an hour, maybe to maximum three hours of my time per week. 
and it's just like I get, you know, it's just, it's just, it's almost like a dividend, you know, like I just get this money out mm-hmm. of it, you know, and now, and it's basically funded this new thing he's doing, and now he's at this place where he's like, hey, all right, I got something, Daryl, I need your help to come in and help grow this, and anyway, so that's, it's exactly, it's it just, I guess, a testimonial for what you just said. Once he figured that out, how to replace himself, he, he stopped wanting to sell it, and he just was like, oh, well, I'll just keep it as a thing and if it keeps running i'll give it to my kids you know it's it's why would you if it ain't broke don't fix it type thing people want to go want to get rid of something it's because it's it's not it's not complete and they're having to be a cog in the wheel and you know when you go to mcdonald's you never go to the drive-thru and they're like sorry sally's sick like that's just not right like it's a business (laughs) it's a machine the people play roles in the machine and the machine's purpose is to serve the greater community which comes back to your earlier point that when people start making money and they figure out sales like it's not really that hard to figure out sales like six figures is is actually really easy to make depend i mean it depends what you're selling if you're selling like 10 cent widgets or 10 dollar widgets like okay it can be tough but for the average person you know like if you're a carpet cleaner if you're i don't know like a vet or a doctor or even if you're like a housekeeper like it, it's actually not that tough to build a team and to you know build a client base to do a good solid six figures even to a million figures some people would say you know and that's where once you start going oh well i'm not having to worry about food on my plate and paying my rent anymore it kind of does come into this, like, what's the impact? What's the greater whole? And that's where you start getting these businesses. I think Elon Musk is a great example because he made a ton of money early on before PayPal even. And then he made more money with PayPal because I think he was really, I think he came from a, a country of scarcity in his early days. He actually went to university first. He did university in my hometown, uh, Kingston, Ontario, Queens University before he went to the States. But now after all that, he started getting into these bigger purposes because at you know at some point you just have so much money it's like it's monopoly money like okay money's not an issue so what do i you know like what do i want to do why do i get up in the morning and that's where we talked about too you either have to overcome some vices or or you have to do some deep digging probably both and mm-hmm. really start to figure out your life and like okay like where like why am i here <laughs> like like okay i've got this blessing now what do i do with it so so I love that. So you're saying the areas to focus on are marketing, sales, operations, and finance. Now, are you ever concerned if any of your clients had like the employee who knew too much and ran away with things or then became a competitor? How do you advise people to approach that? Because I know that's a common like concern for owners, and I've actually seen it materialize in a couple instances, not as often as people would think, but... Yeah, so my a couple a couple thoughts on that. One of our core values is collaboration over competition. And what I mean by that is so many people look at other people that are doing what they're doing and immediately see them as competitors. And actually speaking of Elon Musk, he's a great example of this where he's like, "Listen, let's just all collaborate and and make this all better together." Yeah. You know, where he opened up his patents and all of that. Yep. So every industry we've gotten into, we've taken that approach. So Let's go back to like real estate. A lot of landlords see other landlords as competition. And what ends up happening, they lie to each other about tenants to get bad tenants out and they pass them on. They then get tenants that are ruining their property. They then have to put more money back into the property. They're then not making as much money. So this is a bad cycle. So when we got into that, we said, hey, guys, what if we just all told the truth? What if we just all helped each other? What if we made our properties better? What if we didn't let bad tenants keep moving around? What would happen? Well, we'd, we'd make more money. We'd have better tenants. They would stay longer. We'd have less vacancies. 
that sounds great. Let's do that. Yeah. With our wine and liquor store, there's wine and liquor stores everywhere. And so what we said is, you know, let's look at how we can help each other. Like, what do you focus on? We'll focus on something different and then we'll help people go to both places. Wow. Right. So we've always taken that approach. And, you know, people are always afraid of someone stealing your idea. Let me tell you this. Your idea is worth like 5% of the whole thing. That's right. And there's always people that like you might have said it or friends might have said it like, oh, I had that idea five years ago. Yeah, well, you know the difference? You had the idea. That person went out and did the work to do it. So I always tell people, don't worry about somebody stealing your idea. Don't worry about competition. And what you really want to focus on is your unfair advantage. Like if somebody stole your idea, why would you still win? And once you're clear on that, the competition or any of that stuff doesn't matter. Mm. Mm. Yep. So well said. I love that approach too. I think that's fantastic. I think that there's a lot to be had that way. I mean, when you take a look even at, a, at an ecosystem, birds, we'll take as an example, there's, there might be 15 different species or different types of birds, you could say niches of birds, in one forest and one bird eats insects, the other bird eats other birds, there's a bird that eats fruits and berries, you know, there's a bird that eats, uh, that's like a vulture, that's a, a scavenger, like, they all find their little niche and they manage to find a way to coexist. And it's through kind of that cooperation. Like, that's one of the most beautiful things. I think Buckminster Fuller used to call it the percussion effect. Like, flowers and honeybees have existed for hundreds mm-hmm. of thousands of years. But none of them are really doing it to benefit the other. They're, it's, they're selfish, but they're selfish in a way that it's... Their symbiotic selfishness creates something yep. that is sustainable. The problem with a lot of people that try to be altruistic is when they do something good... Like, that's, that's the one big thing for capitalism. Like, that's a major, I don't want to say proponent, but it's a major pillar, like an underlying pillar of why capitalism works so well. Because when people, like, when you do something altruistically, people always are kind of like, kind of like, they just, they want, there's always some reciprocity, reciprocity expected. Even if they don't get it, it's just even they'll feel good about themselves, right? They're going to tell a friend. I did that the other day. I gave some lady 20 bucks on the street. She was there with her baby and I felt bad because I had a daughter and I told my buddies about it and I realized that I don't know if I was doing such a good thing or if I was just trying to find something good to see. You know, like, I'm a good guy. I gave, you know, like, so it's never really that sincere. It's never really, I mean, even if you look at fruits and vegetables, they're trying to get us to take their seeds and take them further away to grow. So, but it's that selfish symbiotic relationship where now if everyone's just like openly selfish like and it's not in a bad way like i'm not going to be selfish in a way to harm you but look these are this is like my underlying motivation you know every day and if you have one that matches up like flowers and honeybees i mean that's something that can carry you on through generations and it's really important to pick sides sometimes things happen conflicts happen and people don't want to get involved they don't want to get in the middle but the problem is is that if you don't get involved if you don't pick a side if you stay in ambiguity then no matter who which side wins, if you become then under the fire of the, the winner, no one's going to partner with you. And you missed your opportunity to join a side. And even if you lose, you'll work together to build yourselves back up. You know, And so it's almost always better to join like a side and a group and to just 
participate and i just that that concept like have that selfish like you said with the wine stores like look let's talk what are you what are you going to specialize in i'm going to specialize in something else maybe you specialize in beers great i'm going to specialize in or maybe you specialize in you know in wines from italy and i'm going to do all the fruity wines the, the strawberry wine you know the fancy wines like all that's okay like you find that way and all of a sudden you're like the birds where this one's eating fish and this one's eating small mammals and this one's eating insects and this one's cracking nuts open and this one's eating other birds and that one's a scavenger like everybody's at the party you know and it's just a way it works it just works I, I don't know i didn't design the system but it just seems to go that way mm-hmm. yeah it works really well i mean i often go back to nature when talking about things because the system works really well and you know there's um you know there's a really great book out there called like black swan or anti-fragile that really talks about you know the ups and the downs and all of that so we don't need to get into that here but i want to go back to a point you made about being selfish and oftentimes we're brought up to think that being selfish is a bad thing and what i've found especially as like an entrepreneur or even a leader in your family you have to be selfish so that you can take care of yourself so that you can then take care of others you know i find people all the time and like actually my wife's a great example she has such a good heart that she wants to put everybody else first but what ends up doing is she doesn't take care of herself and it runs her into the ground mm-hmm. or at least a lot of times it used to yep. and what she had to realize was that listen you got to you got to put your you know oxygen mask on first you got to fill your cup first because yep. when you take care of yourself that now puts you in a position to be able to take care of the people around you and to help them. Yep. And I think a lot of people, when they get very altruistic and they're not focusing enough on themselves, get into a position where they want to help, but they don't have the means or the ability to. Yep. And if you see the people that really can make an impact, they're the ones that, you know, not selfish like I'm going to win, you're going to lose, but selfish like I'm going to take care of myself first so I can help and, and contribute more to anything that I care about. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's it's almost like a more – it's almost like a more honest way to do business. You know, like if there's a great book talking about books, Winning Through Intimidation, which is maybe not the best title for the actual book, Robert <laughs> Ringer, but it's a great book. And one of it, he talks about there's three types of people in business. The one that admits he's going to try to screw you over, the one that says he's there to, you know, and honestly thinks he's there to help, but is out to screw you over, and the one that lies to you, but secretly plans to screw you over. But I, like, again, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but the idea is that everyone's got their own selfish goals. And if you align with those, it's really powerful. I mean, same thing, one of the fastest ways to grow any business is through strategic alliances. Like, it's just, it just is. Mm-hmm. Like, you get someone that, you get Oprah to give you the thumbs up and feature you in her magazines and on her show. Like, it'll just, it'll crush your business if you're not ready. They actually used to have teams that would audit businesses before they were mentioned or featured on the show. They call it the Oprah effect, where it would it would slam and murder businesses because maybe someone's got this great little bakery, and Oprah's like, "Oh, I went to this bakery and I love it in the morning," and then they get slammed with like ten thousand order requests, and they can't keep up, and all these people like, "I paid money and I didn't get it, and it was terrible," and they give all these negative reviews, and they get buried in this stuff where the negative overwhelms the positive. And so people like, Oh, if only a million people wanted it, that'd be a great problem. It can, it can be the end. (laughs) Like it can be the end. It's not necessarily too much of anything is bad for you anyway. So, but strategic alliances are one of the best ways to grow your business. And the only real way someone would align, like why would they align with you? If somebody built something, 
like this is a strategic alliance right now, you and me. Like this is our first mm-hmm. time doing business together. I've built an audience and a following. I've built a process. I've invested time, money, and energy building this following and this podcast and putting it out there. Our alliance is is you help me create content and I help give you exposure. That's really you know, like that's mm-hmm. really it. We're putting this out there for free to help the listener. Hopefully they hear it and enjoys and they get some value because we want you to be successful because you and I both help businesses at different levels and we know at some point the person listening to this is gonna be tripping up and if we help enough people get what they want, someone will come and say, Hey, this is I need your help with this and they'll give us some money and that will help us get what we want like it's you know it's just it's that it's so um it's yeah yeah well you know well and i love i love the fact that our conversation has shifted this way because there's a lot of times where people like feel bad about making money Uh right and like i love the fact that you brought that up because at the end of the day you know people are only going to pay you if if they see that they're going to benefit from that as well Uh and so you should never feel bad about that you're better off to say like how do we create this win-win situation right like when you enter into any sort of partnerships or relationships like you said even with this podcast it's a win-win situation for both of us Uh so when you go into a situation and say how do i create a win-win then you're so much more confident and empowered you know, to do well with that situation than when you go in with this mindset of like, if I win, they got to lose or vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's just good to know your value and say some sort of value at the outset, you know, versus it's the same thing. It's like accepting a contract or a job or whatever, a project where you feel like you're being underpaid, underappreciated and overworked, you know, and, and it's just going to go sour. Like just give yourself some buffer space, you know, like overcharge, overcharge. And then if you feel guilty, then just give them some money back be like, Hey, I know we've wrapped this project up early for you and I know we delivered everything we said we could, but you know, I'm even going to do one better. Here's a thousand dollars or you know what? Here's a thousand dollars credit for our next project together. Like there's a ton of ways to do that, but you can't do that if you're trying to race to be the bottom, like the lowest price. It's just a terrible way to do business. Try to be the cheapest. I much prefer to be like, look, it's $50,000 to get me interested on your project. And after that, we can talk about equity and commissions. Oh, is that not work? Okay. Well, there's more ways Mm -hmm. of currency than money. What else can we work out? You know, like, let's, sure, I don't need the whole 50 grand. I don't need to spend that right now, but that's my rate. That's my value. Where are we at? Let's negotiate, you know. I'm cool. Like, let's go from there. I know I can bring it. Like, you know, and so it's just, it's way better to do that than be like, well, I can can do it for $250 and I'll work for a month. And maybe if I work for $250 for seven months and I live in a box on the street <laughs> and I'm surviving on, you know, I don't know, like rats that I catch at night coming out of the sewers, <laughs> maybe then you'll, uh, you'll grant me that opportunity. Like, no, you have to stand up for yourself. Every mo- one of my favorite quotes, every morning in Africa, a lion wakes up and it knows it must outrun the slowest gazelle or it will starve to death. Every morning in Africa, a gazelle wakes up and it knows it must outrun the fastest lion or it will be killed. The moral of the story is it doesn't matter if you are a lion or a gazelle. When the sun comes up, you better be running. And I love that quote <laughs> love because that. it really, it's just like what we're talking about. Like you got to get up. You got to have a reason that you believe in. You got to be able to motivate yourself to get up and running. You got to be able to speak to people with conviction. If you don't have that, reschedule the call, find a way to pump yourself up, you know, like you take care of yourself, your soul, your body, you know, get out there and do that and, um, and have a bigger why. I just think that's really, really powerful. Now, yeah. Oh, I was gonna say just just quick on that yeah. before you go. So um, over the years, I've collected a couple things that like motivate me or, or whatever, and I like I I love that you know story of the gazelle and the lion. So I have these three quotes about my monitor that I see every day. The first one's embrace the suck. So this comes from like the I think it's the Marines basically saying, look, this is gonna suck, 
and yeah. realize that this is what we're here for. So yeah. don't go in thinking it's all going to be happy. Like realize it's going to suck at times and it's just part of it. Yeah. The second one is keep moving forward. doesn't matter what happens. As long as you keep moving forward, that's the key. Yeah. And the third one, which is really pivotal, is people need you. And I had a mentor tell me this a couple of years ago because I was so focused on myself. He said, look, people need you. And what I've found is the easiest way to be able to show up and be powerful and do these things is to realize that you're working to serve that person or that customer. And instead of trying to lowball yourself and sell a low cost product, the best thing you can do is say, what is the biggest problem that this person's facing? And work on solving that because what a lot of people do that are struggling is they solve small problems and they make a small amount of money and you've got to solve a lot of small problems in order to really do well there. And when you're solving a lot of small problems, your complexity of your business increases like crazy. So for more often than not, people are better off to solve bigger problems, solve less of them. There's less complexity and then that will actually give you the money, the case studies, whatever else to then scale and solve maybe a lot of the smaller problems. Yeah. Do less better and to completion. Yes. I love yes. that. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And the other part, when you said embracing, was it embracing the suck? I just love that. That's actually, I heard about that. That is from the Marines. There's a guy, I'm a CrossFitter. The guy, uh, Josh Bridges in CrossFit, he talks about it, like embrace the suck. Like when you're in a workout and you just want to stop and that's, that's where the growth comes. That's like, oh, like Muhammad Ali's thing. Like I don't start counting sit-ups mm-hmm. till it hurts. You know, like it's, it's that. I love that grind. Like I'm, man, I'm about to go on another tangent. Like I am all about that. Like my favorite quote of mastery is do it until it becomes dull and then keep going until it's beautiful. Like that's how you master something. You Mm -hmm. do it until it becomes monotonous and dull and then you keep going until you can find beauty in it. And I just, you know, that's it. It's just, we have a limited amount of time on this planet. You know, it's. A lot of people are chasing ladders that lead to nowhere. I mean, I like money as much as the next person, so it's not about a money thing, but I just, you know, it's just, you got to dig deep at some point. Now, before we go too far, because I do want to be respectful of your time, because we both have families in that, but I do want to talk to you about habits. What are some of the habits that have helped you and some of your most successful clients on their path to success? Yeah, you know, really good conversation. So one of the things that I found years ago was, having routines because one of the challenges that a lot of us fall into is that there's so much coming at us every day there's you know notifications and news and different ideas or opportunities so i have a morning routine both for my personal life and my work i also then have an evening routine to end the work day and also to end my personal life and like for example i'll just run through my morning routine it is get up I wake up naturally, you know, 5, 5.30 every morning, uh, drink two glasses of water, put the coffee on, and then I meditate. Once I meditate, that helps me kind of become aware of what's going on in my head, where's my head at. Then I get into learning mode. So I want to learn something every day. That could be a book, a podcast, a course. And I'm always intentional about learning something that is then going to solve the next problem I'm trying to solve so that that day I can implement what I learned and get a really fast feedback cycle on it. Once I get done with my learning piece, then I get into physical movement. So this could be lifting weights. This could be, you know, CrossFit or HIT or something like that. But I basically want to get my body moving. Once I do that, I then go take a shower and I'm spending the morning with my kids, you know, before they go to school. So it's that relationship time. Once that's all taken care of, 
kids are off to school. I sit down with my day. I plan out my day with a 15-minute planner. I sync up with Ariana on what we've got going on that day, both life and business. And then I shift into work mode to where I'm now in my workspace. It's organized. I got my coffee and I'm ready to go. And so it sounds like there's a lot of steps there and it was built up over time. But what I've found is when you have a routine and when you set that routine up to optimize yourself and optimize your day, one, it becomes a habit. You're not thinking about it. And then two, it makes sure that you're set up for success and it makes it a lot easier to avoid distractions because a lot of challenge that people have is they feel like they don't have enough time. And oftentimes I'll have them do like a week long time audit. And when we look at it, successful people are the ones that are making sure they're very aligned with their actions to the outcome they want to achieve. Unsuccessful people often don't have that aligned or they're letting other stuff come in that pulls their distractions away. So you actually want to have these routines and habits that will help you get in the zone, avoid the distractions, and focus on what it is that you want to achieve. I love that. I love that, yeah, a lot. Routines are so important. And we talked about this again before we hit record. Like We were talking about, like, hey, how are you before we started this interview? How was your day, all this? And I was talking about how I'm not into being busy. I'm into being productive. Like, these are the things mm-hmm. I have to get done today. Did I get them done? And I love that. And I actually want to read a quote. I love this quote. It's by Arnold Bennett on how to live on 24 hours a day. First heard it from Jim Rohn. And it says, time is the inexplicable, inexplicable raw material of everything. With it, all is possible. Without it, nothing. The supply of time is truly a daily miracle, an affair genuinely astonishing when one examines it. You wake up in the morning and lo, your purse is magically filled with 24 hours of the unmanufactured tissue of the universe of your life. It is yours. It is the most precious of possessions. No one can take it from you. It is unstealable and no one receives either more or less than you receive. In the realm of time, there is no aristocracy of wealth. There is no aristocracy of intellect. Genius is never rewarded by even an extra hour a day. And there is no punishment. Waste your infinitely precious commodity as much as you will, and the supply will never be withheld from you. Moreover, you cannot draw on the future. It's impossible to get into debt. You can only waste the passing moment. You cannot waste tomorrow. It is kept for you. You cannot waste the next hour. It is kept for you. I have said this affair was a miracle, is it not? You have to live on this 24 hours of daily time. Out of it, you have to spend health, pleasure, money, content, respect, and the evolution of your immortal soul. Its right use, its most effective use, is a matter of the highest urgency and of the most thrilling actuality. All depends on that. Your happiness, the elusive prize that all of you are clutching for, my friends, depends on that. If one cannot arrange... Uh, that an income of 24 hours a day shall exactly cover all proper items of expenditure, one does muddle one's whole life indefinitely. We shall never have any more time. We have and have always had all the time there is. And I love that quote. It's on one of my my daily planner to read that every day. Um, I'm I'm not always consistent with it, but part of my morning routine, I've got a couple of quotes like the the one I, I told you, the line of the gazelle, and then that. I just love that because it just hits the heart of the soul. Like time is your most precious commodity. And so far you taking care of your relationships, your health, your mindset, you know, even your diet, you're fueling your body and priming yourself, managing your time well through routines and, and structured activities now allows you to be more productive in a shorter span of time to get more mm-hmm. done in a shorter span of time, to be a higher performer in a shorter amount of time. 
And I think that that's just one of the wisest things that probably we could share on this, just for people to consider that, the routine that they have, the habits they get into. Even if you walk out of a building every day and you see someone and they make you feel anxious, when you're not at that building, you're still going to feel anxious at the time of day because that's your routine, your habit. You hear my daughter in the background playing and laughing because we play <laughs> at night. And we, we have literally, when my girlfriend, wife, whatever, when she was pregnant, I purposefully tickled her a couple of times every day because I wanted to create a habit a routine of laughter and happiness no matter what was going on in the world. So your concept of routine, I just love it. I think it's beautiful. I think it's simple, practical, and it's probably one of the best pieces of advice for anyone here. Just that that's just such a foundational thing. So, Yeah, and for, well, I was going to say just quick on that, like because I've helped a lot of people with routines over the years, and oftentimes people will fight me on this or they'll do it for a little bit and it'll fall off. And I had a client recently, uh, she put a, this really good, post up on Facebook and she said, you know, I used to fight routines. Then I had a coach that really helped me get into it. And then I fell out of it and now I'm back into it. And she's like, the thing that I've learned is the things that should be part of your routine are the things that fuel you and help make you better. So she's like, if there's something in your routine that you're dreading or that just isn't working for you, like get rid of it. And if there's something that really, you know, adds to your cup and helps fill you up, put it in there. And you know, your routine may change and stuff over time, but she's like, it's so important that like you have a routine, whether you realize it or not, but being intentional about it and putting the right things in there will set you up for so much success. Yeah. Yeah. Planning is everything, but a plan means nothing. So you can plan your routine. Like, yeah, like I've fallen on and off the wagon with my habits and routines so much, you know, but I'm just, yeah, like you, I've accomplished so much more as a result of them. So I want to be respectful of your time. We are approaching the end of the hour. This has been such a jam-packed call. People probably want to listen to this two, three, four times. Maybe just let it be a mantra playing in their head. It's been a great call. What are some of the ways people can get in touch with you if they love your vibe, they love your energy in this call, and they want to get in touch? Like, What are some of the things that you have to offer, and who are the best people like that you can help? Absolutely. So you can find everything we have going on at TomAndDariana.com. And uh, just a couple things that, that we're doing today and we're excited about. One, we have our first book coming out that's called Lifestyle Builders. Build your business, quit your job, and live your ideal life. And this is actually a really cool uh, thing we're excited about because, first off, Ariana and I wrote it together. So that was an accomplishment itself. But what's really cool is not only does it give you the steps that we use and coach, we've actually spliced in key moments of our life throughout the book and we did something really unique where I would first tell the story from my perspective and then Ariana would tell the same story from her perspective and from people that have had an early read what they said was you know it's so cool to understand the thought process that you were both going through because really often like for example when I spent all that money I have a certain thought process of why I went through it and Ariana had a certain thought process of her reaction and what she thought coming out of it. So people have said it's really cool because not only does it give you the the instruction on how to do it, but it also shows a real life example of what it looks like to go through the ups and downs to build your ideal life. Mm. You know, and then so people can pre-order that. It comes out in October. They can pre-order that at lifestylebuildersbook.com. We also host a podcast together, and we have coaching and training programs for entrepreneurs. And um, really, the people that we work best with are people that realize they want to build their business, not just to grow it, but to ultimately support their ideal life. And, you know, they're willing to do the work. They oftentimes have a lot of responsibilities, like, you know, a family. And, um, you know, they're, 
really making sure that they're creating a business that not only serves their family, but also serves their customers and makes an impact there. I love that. And uh, clearly just from, I mean, the, the proof is in the pudding from this call. A lot of you can tell Tom's definitely got the goods. Tom, this was, again, such a great call. Is there anything I didn't ask you that I should have asked you? <laughs> That's a great question. I'm sure we could probably talk for hours. No, I, I think it's been a great conversation. There's a lot of information in there. And uh, the biggest thing I just want to reemphasize, I think we touched on a couple of points throughout the call commit to the process. You know, that's really the biggest thing that makes a, a difference with people. You know, you've got to get clear on where you want to go, but success isn't just an event that happens one day. You don't wake up one day and you're like, oh, I'm successful. That really comes, like there's a quote I'll share since you shared several. There's a, a quote that I heard several years ago when I was playing basketball and it just stuck with me. And it's championships are not won on the night of the big game but years before by athletes who commit themselves to championship principles daily. And when I heard that quote, it just stuck with me throughout the rest of my life because oftentimes we see the successes, we see the championship win. What we don't see is beneath the iceberg, daily, those habits, those rituals, those routines of people embracing the suck, moving forward, doing the stuff behind the scenes that then allow that success to happen. So, Realize that you've got to commit to that process and you've got to just work through whatever's going on in your life and know that by consistently doing that, by consistently moving forward, you'll be able to improve yourself, which will then help you overcome whatever challenge is thrown at you. I love that. I love that. It reminds me of one of my favorite quotes is martial arts, which is when you are not training, someone else is. When you meet them, they will win. And I just, it just comes to that. Like, it just, <laughs> boom. It's just, boom. That's it. So, Tom, this has been fantastic. You're like a brother from another mother. I definitely would love to have you back on the show again sometime. For those listening, definitely reach out to Tom. I got nothing but respect for him here. I appreciate him for coming and sharing. Uh, it's been a win 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 for everyone. Thank you so much. I know you have things to do and people that you can contribute to. So, I'll let you get back to that. And just, I look forward to our future conversations. And thank you again for coming and sharing with us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You've reached the end of our interview. Now first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you. Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better. And your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.